like I was dating someone at the time. He just pissed me off. And like in my head, I was like, Lurke, 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 man. And then I was like, wait. <laughs> and then the melody just came like like two seconds later. And that means Why the fuck are they all after me, man? Hey everybody, welcome to Dose. My name is Rachid Salim. I am the host. And today we have a dramatically powerful R&B singer and amazing person, Shreya Kaul. Hi everyone. New movie recently, right? Yeah, it's been like three months now. How are you adjusting? Not well. Really? I mean, LA is very overwhelming. First of all, like, people will talk a lot of shit about LA, right? Yeah. It's expensive, it's crowded. But the thing I really hate about it is unprotected lefts. Like, you don't have a left arrow when you have to turn left on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the parking's annoying. A meal here costs like 30 bucks. Yeah. And I just feel like everyone is going 10,000 miles a minute and coming from a bubble like Texas where it's very chill, mm-hmm. very slow. I mean, lean is kind of the thing in Texas, you know? So really? the culture is just like, very very chill so here it's like all right everybody's doing something so you feel fomo when you want to just chill out yeah so that's been tough is is that kind of decision to make though for career-wise like being in a fast-paced environment yeah i wanted to be uncomfortable yeah so i was like let me just try this Mm -hmm. try this out and you're originally from houston texas like born or just like where i've been living for the last couple years yeah both so i was born in india we moved around a lot so it was india new york kansas in Houston for, and I've been in Houston for like the next like the last 10 12 years gotcha so that's like home to you that's home mm-hmm. Houston is home and you started making music while you're in Houston too yeah I did where did it all start like when was the moment like hey I want to be a singer or like you just knew you liked doing it I've always known since I was a child I've always been into entertainment into the arts uh, since I was a little kid but when I started taking it seriously I was 17 18 mm-hmm. and then at 19 I took a year off from school so I could pursue pursue music. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where it really started getting serious is 19. Mm-hmm. And when you're 19, now you're like, okay, music is cool. I want to make more of it. Where did you start? Did you have like a producer? Did you just make it on your own? I mean, I got scammed in the beginning. Really? I mean, it's a tough industry when you don't know anything and you don't mm-hmm. have any connections. So I started making music with this producer who claimed to have produced for like Christina Aguilera and like mm-hmm. Demi Lovato. He charged like $2,000 a song and he couldn't even play two chords to save his life. Really? And when I realized that he was a scam, I said, yo, I need my money back. And then he just ghosted me. No way. Yeah. And I was like, great. Okay, cool. And then I got management and they just like took a bunch of money from me as well. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I love this industry. It's Mm -hmm. great here. And so it's like your first year and you're not in school for a year, right? Mm -hmm. You're taking a gap year. Yeah, I'm taking a gap year. And you're like, you know you want this. But people are like fucking you over here left and right. Left and right. So how'd you get over that? I think I just decided to put my career into my own hands. It was Mm -hmm. a lot of time that I was getting fucked over. It was Mm -hmm. like the first three years, people were just doing me dirty left Mm -hmm. and right. And then after that, I, you know, TikTok came around. I saw independent artists that didn't have any resources, that didn't have any management, anything, just Mm -hmm. doing numbers. So I just studied what they were doing um, and applied that. And I think that's what's really been working. Gotcha. And so when when did you like make your first song that you felt like, like your first project? My first project ever was mm-hmm. in 2017. It was called okay. Skin. Mm-hmm. And now that I look back at it, you know, it was a nice little first attempt. Yeah. But my project that I really feel very fond of and most proud of is Seven Deadly Sins, which I put out in 2020. Yeah. 
And I'm a huge fan of that one. Thank you. I listen to that a lot. Thank like, you. I'll be driving, and I'll just, like, I'll like, be crying about something that's never happened to me. Like oh, I love that. And that's how I got put on to you. So you made that, um, and you put it out, and you said, you told me before, like, that was the first time you started actually getting recognition mm -hmm. for your music, right? Yeah. And what was that experience like for you? It was really different, because when you come from, I mean, the last three years, I had been, like I said, getting screwed over left and right. Mm -hmm. And for the first time to come out of that situation to getting acclaim and just a little bit of acclaim and a little bit of recognition and a little bit of respect in this industry, mm -hmm. I didn't know how to take it. I didn't mm -hmm. know how to receive it. I was in a very negative mindset because I had just gone through so much and I was like, oh, they don't really care. They're just saying that because the industry is like that. Yeah. People are just going to tell you like, oh, you're so good when they mm -hmm. don't really give a fuck. So I, I always would negate people's compliments in my mind and I would always just think about the next thing that was about to go wrong or the next mm -hmm. person that was going to fuck me over. But I feel like I'm slowly fizzling out of that phase and I'm really starting to receive and take in all the appreciation. It's been really good. Mm -hmm. And I think especially when you're coming in your own and like understanding that now you're surrounding yourself with people, I'm assuming that you know, like you respect their taste, their opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. And that led you to like, one collaboration that I think began through TikTok, right? Mm -hmm. And that was uh, Larke. Larke. Yes. How did that, What's what happened with that? What was the story? So I saw Brahma on TikTok in mm -hmm. 2020. Mm -hmm. And I thought she was the coolest girl. She's mm -hmm. so cool, an amazing artist. Just really had a vision. And I think as, as South Asian artists, a lot of us are in the inception phases of creating music. Yeah. So there's such a wide variety of South Asian artists, right? And... There are a lot of people that are still developing right yeah. now. So it's rare to see someone that's on the come up that's just has it. Yeah. And I saw her and she was one of the first artists that I looked at and I listened to that I was just like, this girl, this girl just has it. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to her in 2020 and just let her know I'm a, I'm a fan. And 2022 came around. I wrote Ladke and I was like, I really need a girl on this project. Yeah. And she was the first person I thought of. And I reached out and she was just down. That's awesome. And I think what I love about that song specifically, it's so properly first generation. It's Thank you. Because of all, you know, yeah, I know. Because what we get is, I think what we grew up with in terms of like in music specifically, in TV, we had it here and there. A lot of the artists kind of like peddled the like, the backstory, the culture, mm. where I felt like this was like finally, like this is an anthem for brown girls in America who are like fucking tired of some toxic, toxic ass brown dudes. Like, Amen. Like that's something so specific to I think our subculture, right? Yeah. And we're absolutely. so new. We came in the 80s and 90s and now we're developing. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that, I was like, wow, like we're on the come up, we're on the forefront. And what was that reaction like for you? Like getting all that, did you expect the reaction you're going to get no. from it? Really? Not at all. That went crazy. I was not expecting mm -hmm. any of that reaction. I was not expecting people to relate to it the way that they did. I was just writing a song from my experience uh, with lyrics that just came to me. And then mm -hmm. once it was out, it was just kind of like an uproar yeah. of, of brown women. Like, yeah, fuck men. I'm tired of the shit. And I was like, wow, people relate. You made me hate so, myself for a second. I was you know, I think that's the goal. At yeah. least you're self-aware. Yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, I was very, very happy to see the response. And it mm -hmm. just made me more motivated to keep going. Yeah. Because there's a spot. There's a spot in in the market for artists like myself, for South Asian artists in general, whatever degree of South Asian you yeah. want to be in and want to incorporate into your music, there's space for it. We have the superpower. You do. Is where 
No, yeah, we do. But as brown people in America or Canada, Europe, et cetera, your music is, it works here because it's English and it's amazing, it's beautiful, but also translates to the rest of the world. It's people that look like us. So it's, we can exist in both spaces. Mm -hmm. I think before people didn't realize that. And now we do. And you're a clear example of that. Is that something you knew going into it? Or? No, I had no idea. I didn't even know what the goal was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a basic idea in mind. Like I've always wanted to be a crossover artist. I want to exist in both markets. Mm-hmm. But I never realized what a challenge that was going to be. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about crossover music in our space today, like for example, Latin music, mm-hmm. Latin music has been around for decades. Yep. And it's only because we had a Daddy Yankee and a Selena that we have Bad Bunny and J Balvin. Mm-hmm. And also with uh, Afrobeat, like Drake put that on the map. Afrobeat's been around forever. Yep. Um, so I didn't really know what challenge I was taking on when I set out to be like this crossover artist. I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring India to the map. Everybody's going to know. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm just now realizing that that is a really difficult task to take mm-hmm. on because there has not been a strong foundation of South Asian music like mm-hmm. in the West. Yeah. So the community right now is just building it from scratch. Absolutely. Um, but I think the thing that I'm realizing as I go on is that there's so much power in community, mm-hmm. especially in the South Asian community. Yeah. Like we really stick together, we support one another. Mm-hmm. And the talent, the talent's undeniable. Oh, it's absolutely. only a matter of time before people are gonna catch on. Yeah. So I think like what you're doing and what a lot of platforms are doing right now by bringing South Asian talent to the map is exactly what we need. Yeah. So I've been trying to get myself into these spaces or just be around the community more because mm-hmm. that's what it's going to take. Yeah. Well, there's two communities to build, right? I think we have this like special um, challenge that we um, South Asians have is I think the artists are there and they're coming together right now. You see that. Um, but the audience, there is millions of us. We fuck like bunnies. We're everywhere on earth. We're seriously like, like ten million here, ten million like in Europe, another ten in like like five or six million in Canada, and then all over the world is over a hundred million English speaking people like us. But I think first generation people have this uh, internalized racism. I think we've all dealt with it, right? And therefore, it led to us kind of coming in the sidelines. And I think once people like you show up and they say, yes, I can be out there being cool, sexy, and being me fearlessly. And those, you know, girls see that. They're gonna be like, all right, let's band together. Let's let's bump this. Mm-hmm. Let's show everyone else we know. And because we're first generation, we can share that with our friends from every different race and culture. And so that's like a specific thing we can do. Absolutely. And also, if you just look around, yeah. everybody has been profiting off of our culture except yeah. for us. I see these white girls, they go to Ohio for six weeks and they write a book on kundalini yoga. Bitch, what do you know about (laughs) yoga? Who in Ohio taught you about yoga? I see girls at Coachella like wearing their bindis, just flaunting their mehendi. And I'm just like, you know, everybody partakes. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows it's cool. So why can't we just be the representatives of that instead of letting all these other people take charge of it for us? Hell no. We're not doing that anymore. Exactly. And I'm glad we are. Because I think, like you're saying, like, why is it cool on you but not cool on me? Like, nah, it is yeah. cool on me. I invented this. Like, yeah. bitch, sit down. Yeah. And I do have a question. When you're saying uh, you're making music and some of those songs like you di- related to directly, do you have like a story about that? Like, was there that guy or someone that like, you're like God damn it, like, I'm gonna make a song about you, screw you. Oh, yeah. I mean, there have been many men. There have been many, really? many men. 
Um, but honestly, my music is inspired by personal mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. But I think, especially when it comes to Ludke and Old Dude, it's not by inspired by one person. I just yeah. think it's like the collective female experience right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like women as a whole, society's not catered to us. So we have to level up a lot more quickly. Whereas mm -hmm. men, I feel like, are given a playground and room to fuck up because they don't have consequences the way women do, most yeah. women do. Uh, so a lot of my music is just inspired by that. Because I know all the girls around me, I know are bad bitches. And the yeah. men, they're still, <laughs> We're working, still on working on it. On it. <laughs> is, so with your first pro or with, uh, not the first project, but um, with The Seven Deadly Sins, it was emotional, it was visceral. But with what you've been doing recently, it's more like it's anthem for those bad bitches, mm -hmm. the people you're talking about. Yeah. Like is, are, do you like to do both or is there like a direction you want to go with there? you feel happy in right now? So for me, whenever I'm in project mode, it's a more all-encompassing experience. Mm -hmm. A project for me, like I want to give you variety, diversity, emotion, fun, joy, anger, pain, yeah. everything. So when I get into project mode, all the songs are a lot more diverse and eclectic. Mm -hmm. But whenever I just want to put songs out for fun, then I'm just, I'm going to give you an anthem. Yeah. I'm going to give you an anthem. So right now I, I'm like gearing more towards project mode because I'm just I've just been in my feels. Mm -hmm. But whenever I want to have fun, I'm I'm dropping an anthem. Yeah. Yep. And what's are you like starting to begin on this project or? Yeah, I've actually started on the project. I don't know what shape or direction it's gonna take, but I do have a general idea of what it's gonna mm -hmm. look like, um, and it's gonna be good. Yes, I I mean I believe it. I mean you. If you don't mind me talking about it, you recently moved here. You quit your job, right? I did. And you're just doing music. You're going for it. Fully. I am. Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's huge. What was that feeling like? Really fucking scary. Yeah. Because when you're brown, your entire life is centered around some level of prosperity, whether it be success or, mm -hmm. you know, financial or monetary gains. And I've lived my whole life with so much structure. So to take that first step of being like, oh, fuck it, and just doing what I really want to do. It's scary. Taking the leap of faith is always scary. I don't know what the fuck is ha going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to be broke. I don't know if I'm going to flop. I don't know if I'm not going to ever make music again. I don't know. But for the first time, I just decided to like cut out all the voices and just listen to what I wanted to do and honor that. And I'm really proud of myself for it. So it's been good. Yeah, been good. yeah. that's awesome. What was your childhood like? My childhood, it was very pure. It was yeah. very wholesome. I remember... India with like a lot of fondness. I, we lived in a huge community in India. There was always music, always laughter, always good food. Mm -hmm. um, always, always Bollywood movies. And that is kind of the cultural tie that I kept to India as I moved to the States. I think the one thing, because I almost forgot how to speak Hindi when I first moved to the mm -hmm. States, which is, Hindi is very important to me. My language is very, very important to me and my family. Um, so after coming here, I assimilated into the culture so much that I started to forget home. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom kept me in touch by shoving Bollywood movies down my throat. Yeah. So I think growing up, I've had a huge emphasis on the arts and entertainment. I think that's mm -hmm. really shaped me as an artist yeah. and my music as well. So I have nothing but fond memories of growing mm -hmm. up. And when your parents like saw you singing were like she's gonna be a singer like how was that relationship like with music and then oh. yeah no you know the classic <laughs> way right you, you're proving um, it um it was tough because i'm not the type of artist that's gonna sing like sweet bhajans or like pure wholesome songs yeah i'm gonna cuss 
I'm gonna be naked if I want to be naked. Like I can't really be tamed when I turn on artist mode. As a person myself, I'm very gentle and calm and tamed. Mm -hmm. But the artist self, I just don't know. It's very unpredictable. So I think when my parents saw that side of me, they were very afraid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I myself was very afraid. Yeah. And they weren't necessarily supportive in the beginning because mm -hmm. they were confused. Because yeah. like, who is this person? Who is this girl? I don't know this girl. Mm -hmm. who, who are? I've never heard you curse. I've never heard you like want to go out and like not cover up properly. You know, mm -hmm. it was it was a struggle, and it still is to this day because yeah. they're constantly challenging me um, mm -hmm. on why I'm choosing this, why I continue to pursue this. I've, it's been years, and I still am not where I want to be. They're like, "Are you sure you want to do this? You've been doing this for years." Mm -hmm. And there's nothing else that fulfills me more. But the thing about consistency and the thing about being in this industry for so long is that they're finally starting to see that exactly. I won't budge. And I think that because they see the conviction, they're starting to get on board. Yeah. And I think it's really important because with young brown people specifically, like you in going into arts, it's like you have to be fearless about it. Because yeah. if, if you show a level of like like a little anxiety, they're gonna be like, are you sure? They're like, no, I'm yeah. doing this. And then like, all right. And I'm assuming now when you're like having these wins um, and they're starting to see it, like can you to notice? Oh, yeah. I see yeah. it. I mean, my mom, she's constantly texting me like, your Spotify listeners went up by 10,000. Yeah. Oh, my God, your TikTok blew up. <laughs> like, oh, my God, this person yeah. commented on your video. So I can definitely see that she's starting to notice. And I really it just warms my heart to see that she's starting to come on board. Mm -hmm. um, but I think with time, results speak for themselves. Like I started this journey and I barely had like 500 monthly listeners and I'm getting close to 100,000 now. Yeah. So. They're starting to see the growth. They're starting to see the progress. So they have no choice. And in terms of like the South Asian music scene, like, do you see yourself like no? Do, do you know you're at the forefront of it? Yeah. Do you? Uh, yeah. Right. I do. Yes. <laughs> I do. Knowing you're at the forefront of this, does that give you a freedom or pressure? There's no pressure because this is so new. Mm -hmm. Like no one really has done this before. So I have a playground to experiment mm -hmm. with and play with. I can do whatever I want because I'm one of the first people to do it. So mm -hmm. I can make as many mistakes as I want to, yeah. which is kind of a relief. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we all of us got tapped into TikTok in a way. What, how did TikTok accelerate your growth or how did it change like, your life for you? TikTok's been a lifesaver, man. Yeah. I think one of my biggest goals starting out with music is I just want to show everyone like the mm -hmm. beauty of of South Asian people of South Asian culture of South Asian music of the Hindi language and I feel like TikTok is the only tool that's allowed me to to share that vision and it's the only tool where people have received my vision in mm -hmm. the way that I've wanted it to be received so I think from when I started to now TikTok is like the main contributor to the success I've had. Yeah. I'm so grateful. And it's it attaches you directly to the type of people that would like your type of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It understands. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know how this algorithm works. Probably there's a demon under their covers figuring it all oh, out. Oh, I don't know. But that demon be hitting. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that something that... Uh, do you like like making TikToks? Do you understand it's part of the job? Or is it something... Is it like a love-hate type of thing? What do you think? I like it. I try mm -hmm. not to take it too seriously. 
Um, Because I know a lot of people take it like it's a job, like consistently posting content to grow. But I've kind of gotten out of that mindset of grow, grow, grow. And for me, it's just a tool to connect with people and experiment. So Mm -hmm. when I want to put out a song, I like to tease it on TikTok and see what the reception is Mm -hmm. and see what kind of audience I have. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it's just fun. Mm -hmm. And what does your audience look like so far? Eclectic, beautiful people. That's awesome. A lot of... Girls, gays, bays, and some mm-hmm. dudes as well, which I love to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's honestly the exact type of audience that I would have imagined for myself. Like my mm-hmm. own people, South Asian people, but yeah. also beautiful black people, Hispanic people, people from Cambodia, people from really? Brazil. Like it's just so interesting to see them gravitate towards this type of music because it's so unfamiliar to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just warms my heart that like that vision of getting it to as many like as ver- much of a variety of people as possible is actually mm-hmm. happening. Yep. And you played um, or you performed on like a pretty big stage recently in Canada. What was that like? That was insane. Yeah. That was insane. Actually, mm-hmm. I've never performed in in a space that large mm-hmm. with that many people that are so talented. Yeah. And all around people, which was crazy. I've never really been tapped into our space like that. Mm-hmm. All brown talent, all brown coordinators, all brown crowd. I was mesmerized, yeah. especially 5X, just as a collaborative organization, the people behind the festival. It was just incredible from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I would 100 million percent recommend if you have never been to a 5X, Please check it out. Insane. And was that the largest stage you've ever performed on? Yes. And was. so how did you feel coming up to it? Like right before you performed, were you nervous? Were you excited? Like what was going through your head? I was nervous. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I get the worst stage fright like two minutes before going on stage. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as I get on stage, something just happens and mm-hmm. I get into artist mode. Mm-hmm. And like this Shreya turns off and then the bad bitch just comes <laughs> alive. Yeah. Yeah. Do you style yourself too? For the most part, yeah. Wow, you you because I noticed like for every performance you've also done, like you're styled wearing, of course, like basically inspired clothing, but you put a lot of like different twists to it that I really like. I try to, I mm-hmm. try to. My main motto is because right now I'm not at the stage where I'm gonna headline any festival. Mm-hmm. I'm not that big, but whenever people see me at a festival, I want to look like the headliner. Yeah. I want people to watch me and be like, "Who the fuck is that?" Yeah. I want to have like that stage presence, that charisma, that look. That people just immediately gravitate to. Mm -hmm. And you dance as well, right? You choreograph? I mean, not really. (laughs) I'm not the best dancer, but Mm -hmm. I try to have like a little one-two step in there. Yeah. Keep it. Keep it moving. Yeah, I, I can tell like Houston is like, I can like hear it in your voice. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it never yeah. leaves you. Yeah. It never leaves you. And I was really tapped it. Like, honestly, in Houston, I really was in a bubble. I only hung out with my producers, mm-hmm. uh, both of whom are like R&B producers that grew up in the church. And it just kind of sticks with you. Yeah. And so when you have producers like that, how do you um, inform your culture on it? Um, It's just this it's a beautiful melting pot, honestly, because yeah. they were the ones that produced Ludke mm-hmm. and they're the ones that produce old dude. They've produced everything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just passing ideas back and forth. Like they come from an R&B background. They don't know anything about Indian scales, the Indian language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I starting the musical journey. I had no idea about R&B. I just kind of fell into it. Mm-hmm. So it's really just been an exchange of ideas and trying to work out kinks and make both the cultures fit and mesh. Yeah. It's been a good process. And I'm assuming on the, their side too is like, it's also explore, exploration in a way and they get to have fun and learn. Yeah. 
And so, what was your song that you made after you know it comes out of production? Like, yo, this is fire. Like, this is it. Like, you knew that you were like making like music. Now you've leveled up. I think Gluttony was the first song yeah. that we made that I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. this yeah. is it. And it's to this day my most popular song. Really? Mm -hmm. And that's the one that popped off in the beginning on that first project too, right? Yeah. And you're saying when that came out, you had like that first wave of like editorial and other things. Like, wh what did that feel like showing like your friends and your family? Like, Yo, like look at this. No, I didn't really have that many friends in Houston. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I was just in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And my friend, my uh, family, they didn't really understand because mm -hmm. they're not really familiar with the music industry. They're not mm -hmm. familiar with music blogs and mm -hmm. influencer culture or anything like yeah. that. So I, I didn't feel like they would even be able to understand if I showed them. Yeah. So I just showed my producers and we'd just be in the studio like geeking like, oh That's my God. Fire. And now that it's being recognized, I think, in different avenues after moving, like... Is that something that's like starting to, like you're starting to feel too? Excitement? Yeah. No, I feel just like an overwhelming sense of calm. I oh. think a lot for me, a lot of my momentum came from scattered excitement. Mm -hmm. And I would just get excited and be like, okay, I have to make more. Excited, make more. And now I feel so detached from people's response for some reason. I don't know what it is in the air or in the stars. I just want to make music for myself and I don't want to attach my uh, artistry or my worth as an artist to people's response to my music. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel very calm and very level-headed. And for the first time, excitement is not like the main driver to m my movement. Mm -hmm. So it's different. And it's like just for the art and you get it's to enjoy it. It's just for the that. art. It's just for the art. After coming here, I can see that how many people are in that like excited energy, which is great. It's mm -hmm. a great space to be. It's fun. It's happy. But it's also fleeting. Um, and right now it's funny because I came to LA to be out of my bubble, but the city kind of makes me want to be in more of a bubble, yeah. just come out selectively. So I'm kind of starting to entrap myself again. So what was your biggest challenge just in general, like in life? Just get in my own head. Mm -hmm. Um, not in the way that I, I don't think I'm good enough. Or I don't think I'm talented enough. I just get in these funks. I'm a very emotional person. Mm -hmm. I feel things so intensely and it's so exhausting. I don't feel things like on a spectrum mm -hmm. in the sense that there's a high, a low, a middle, and the in-betweens. I only feel polarity of emotion. So it's okay. either really, really intense excitement, happiness, joy, or it's just a crash where I feel like the lowest in the depths of the darkness of everything, demons, hell, everything. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just trying to find a way to um, explore middle ground and how to reach middle ground mm -hmm. so that I'm not existing in like fight or flight mode all the time. Yeah. Um, it's been a tough journey. And I think I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to feel the way I do because that's what mm -hmm. inspires the music. Yeah. But I feel like it's like eroded me as a person. Like it's eroding my soul a little bit. That's so deep. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. Um, how do you how do you moderate that, or have you yet? I'm learning. Mm -hmm. I'm learning because I've never. A lot of us have never been taught how to cope with emotions and how to cope with feelings and intensity and pain. So I I'm still learning. I'm trying to breathe through it. Do the you know what everyone does? Meditate, journal. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I just scream. I throw plates. Really? I cry. I cry every day. I cry every wow. day without fail. Mm -hmm. 
And it's really exhausting. And I'm just learning to be okay with it. I pray that I don't cry every day forever because my eyes are swollen all the time. But I am happy. Like, I'm happy that I'm accepting where I am Mm -hmm. in this phase of life. And I'm hoping it gets better. Yeah. And I'm assuming you're starting to grip that this is like a part of you being emotional. Yes. Is it something you see as a tool as well? It's definitely a tool. I can't write without feeling. Feeling is what inspires me to write. And I don't, I've never sat down and written a song. Really? It's just come to me wherever I am. Like in my head, I'll hear a melody and then the lyrics come. I don't think. I'm not Mm -hmm. like, what word rhymes with this? Or like, how does this work? I just inspired and the words just come on their own. Um, And that's all emotion. When you feel Mm -hmm. something so intensely and you're like, your brain is somewhat poetic. It just comes up with words on its own. So I think that's kind of the main thing that's helped, like led me to this path is feeling. So I can't be mad at yeah. it. You know? So where does your process start usually? My process, like the writing process? Yeah, like from before the song is even made and then like that spark happens in your head and how do you lay it down? There's really no process. It just comes when it comes. It's a very... Mm-hmm. It, it. I do know that it comes in silence. I have to be by myself. I have to be... And I've never written a song like in a studio with producers, like while everyone's around me, like collaborating. I have a very like secluded process Mm -hmm. by myself. And the song just comes. I've never written, like like I said, I've never sat down and like, ooh, this, this, this. Mm -hmm. I've just been in a funk or I've just been existing, like staring at a wall and then the words just come. And then it snowballs into this train where one song leads into the next, which leads into the next. And there are all these cohesive songs which describe the phase of life I'm in. Mm-hmm. And it just turns into a project. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying I like, hear the melody first. Yeah. Well, it depends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like for for Lerke, I just remember, um, I like I was dating someone at the time. He just pissed me off. And like in my head, I was like, Lerke, 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 man. And then I was like, wait. <laughs> And then the melody just came, like like two seconds later. I was like, Lerke, Lerke, Lerke. And then I was like, ooh, cool. And then all of a sudden, it just, I like took my pen and took my paper. And then I just wrote. I, I didn't think, I just like word vomit. And it's just, like I didn't change one lyric. It just flew. Really? And yeah. no, the next, I don't want to butcher it. The, the next lines go, Lerke, Lerke, Lerke. And then goes. And that means... Why the fuck are they all after me, man? That's so hard. After me. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's just because I feel so intensely. And then the words just come on their own. Mm-hmm. And so that was, you said during a breakup at that point? No, just while I was dating. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you come like, hey, look, I meant the song about you. Oh, uh, yeah, man, that, <laughs> was a like, little, that was a little tough. <laughs> I was grateful. The person I was dating at the time was very supportive of what I was doing. So they were like, oh, cool. This is like the hardest diss track I've ever heard. Yeah. Listen, if you're going to diss someone, at least it's me, right? Yeah. That's hard. <laughs> That's so hard. And um, I, my song is that I, I told you how much of it goes like the sloth. Like, mm. Mm, baby, me wrong. It's just like, it's so good. And um, where did that come from? This hey. is me being a fan and wanting to know. I think depression and pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that song, honestly, I felt came from just loneliness. And um, that scenario actually had never really happened in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a culmination of feelings that turned into a story. Mm-hmm. I like to be a storyteller. Like mm-hmm. when I'm in project mode, I want everything to fall and become its own narrative. 
-hmm. So with Sloth, I wanted it to be like its own story. So I was just, I was really lonely and I was only listening to Daniel Caesar at that time. Like only Daniel Caesar, that's it. Yeah. That was when the Freudian album had just come out and I was just resonating with it so hard. Um, And I remember being in my room uh, in, in Houston, Texas and I, it was raining that day and I heard someone like across the house there were there was like a couple it was like a boyfriend girlfriend whoever husband wife whatever they were just yelling at each other I'm imagining it was like teenagers because it, it mm-hmm. was in the suburbs but there were two people yelling at, yelling at each other and the girl was just like I just can't believe blah 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 and the dude was like you know you really need to calm down you always do this and I was just like oh yeah it's a song the song's coming on um uh-huh. Yeah, the vibes are just right. Well, what I love about that song is even without like a music video, the way you tell the story is there's so much imagery. It's like the type of a song you listen in your car and you drive and you see the music video in your head. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. He goes like, "Come on, can you like do it with me so I don't miss it?" Yeah, up? sure. It's like, mm, My baby did me wrong. He, he left me crying out on the floor. Like when I hear, and when you sing that in the song, you sing it with like so much gravitas. Yes. And I'm just like, and I hear and I and I see girl crying on the floor and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, oh, yeah. you know, so. Sad girl song. It's a sad girl. It was a sad boy song for me. And I, I, like, I, I loved it. And so, and that, was that inspired by, you said it was inspired just by feeling depressed and lonely for a while. Yeah. It, so was there a reason for that that time? Or are you just like in a moment of your life where you're like, I just, not feeling it and how'd you get out of that that was the phase of my career where everyone was doing me dirty like i was <laughs> just getting screwed over by management by producers even by men that i was talking to at the time mm-hmm. and i just felt like nothing was gonna ever go right for me and it was just coming from a space of like this is it mm-hmm. it's darkness and doom for the rest of your days i'm gonna and I, I, at that moment in my life i wanted to just run and I didn't want anyone to ever look for me. I just wanted to like disappear and not exist anymore. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why I wrote the second half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just came from emptiness. And so that was what was going on at the time. But it seems like you come, um, come up and like realize yourself independently. Yeah, we've come a long way. Yeah. And so now that you're sure, I think your skill, your ability to create a song um, by yourself. How do you, um, I think we spoke about this briefly. But how do you feel about still remaining independent? Like, how do you feel about the Shreya team? Shreya team is just Shreya. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. just me. So, um, congratulations, by the way. You've done a lot just being your team. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of work. It's been a process. But I I definitely want to expand. I I don't know if I want to get signed or anything like that. But I want like the right people around me. I want mm-hmm. like a manager, a good manager. I want someone to help me with like creative direction and styling i want i want a full-fledged team but in in terms of a label situation i'm not sure mm-hmm. we'll see did you feel that those hurdles in uh, houston or was the music scene already there i mean it's hard in houston houston has a great rap scene but mm-hmm. in terms of r&b it's a bit tougher and in terms of what i'm trying to do the crowd is not as receptive mm-hmm. right now like there are pockets of houston that love what i do but then majority of houston they're either like straight rap or like country like there mm-hmm. is a r&b space but yeah. not like a fusion r&b space not what mm-hmm. i'm trying to do yeah um and a lot of artists in houston because it's not like a music hub they're really talented artists in houston but they're just kind of taking it very lightly mm-hmm. um so i people would always flake on me in sessions people would 
just not deliver. And I was like, I need to be in a place that has a greater sense of urgency. With, with Houston, mm -hmm. it's a bit tougher. Yeah. Yeah. And when was the moment you're like, hey, I need this change? Because you already you were still at home when during school you graduated and you still stayed. Yeah. Um, what was the moment like? Hey, I gotta. So after I released Old Dude, I realized that it's only going up. Like my traction, I built a level of traction and a strong foundation. So whenever I release a song, I know it's gonna do relatively mm. well. Um, and eventually, I'm gonna reach a plateau. Like Ludke and Old Dude, they did well, but. I'm a one-man band right now. Yeah. Like, it'll only stay to that level. I need more people. I need more resources. I need more talent around me. You're very self-aware about that as well. I try to be. Yeah. I mean, in this industry, especially being South Asian, like, you have to think 10 steps ahead because mediocrity doesn't cut it. You have to be 20 times better than everybody around you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, what I loved about Old Dude, too, is, like, there was the Hindi in it, and then it just became a shake your ass anthem song too. I was like, "Yo, this this is this has never been done before." I told you, I'm gonna give you an anthem. And that that one was a wild one to me. What? How did you come to that? Because what's that one? So you speak in Hindi, and then you go, "Let's go shake that booty like Jello." I was like, "So that beginning part is a little bit somber. You're you're like." Sad girl feels, but mm -hmm. that's kind of how it goes. You're a sad girl, but then you turn into a bad girl. Every sad bitch is a bad bitch. Yeah. So you go through your moment of like, oh, damn, life sucks. And then it's like, all right, whatever. I'm going to go shake some ass. Yeah. Um, so that's that's just how it went. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And while you're uh, there in like Houston, were, were you in like the party scene at all? Or that type no, of scene? No, I was always in a bubble. I'm a homebody. Really? I don't go out. Mm -hmm. I don't talk to anyone. I do my business and I go home. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. You just make good-ass music? Like, I try right. my best. I try my best. Yeah. Well, so what do you think is next for you? Uh, hopefully, if all goes according to plan, like world domination. Okay. But um, realistically, next steps would look like um, getting a team, getting mm -hmm. a proper team, and putting out a project that is like really well-received with... Mm -hmm proper coverage, proper promotion, getting really dope collaborations on there from mm -hmm. various different communities, just out, out, even outside of the of South course. Asian community. Um, that's the plan. Yeah. And it sounds like you already have this confidence in the level of music and art. Like I've always had that. Yeah. I've always believed in my my work. Mm -hmm. Is Was that something that always came from within or is there someone in your life that made you confident? No, it's always been me. Like I said, I've only been in my bubble. Yeah. And maybe that's why I'm so confident is because I don't really see what's going on around me. I just focus on what I'm doing. But mm -hmm. every time I make something good, I'm like, damn, I'm that bitch. That no, bitch. I'm that bitch. Uh, but I, I mean, I see everything that's going on around me. And every time I take a look at it, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing great. Awesome. I'm on top. There you go. Yeah. Oh, Do you have any um, messages to anyone who's tuning in? Hmm. My message to the audience would be the world moves like a thousand miles a minute. And if you don't take time to slow down, you're going to get caught up in the whirlwind that is this existence. So I would recommend finding some type of practice where you slow down and connect with the people around you, your loved ones, nature, even if it's for five seconds, just like if you're at a red light. Look at the trees around you, take a breath, find stillness, and then go on about your day. And I promise you'll feel 10 times more at peace.